Boy, I feel like my voice is going. So we're going to power through these last couple and uh, then maybe I'll not talk for the yeah, right. Maybe I'll not talk for the rest of the day. Right. We'll see how that goes. This Runs Radio episode 563 starts in three, two, Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well, 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 don't look now. But it's uh, it's almost May, y'all. Um, here we are uh, re- recording this a little bit later than planned, uh, but it's going to get out. It's going to get out today, uh, April the 30th, the last day of April, uh, one-third of the way through the year. Uh, and it's time, as we do every month at the end of each month, to do a little uh, Q&A episode, to take, to take a little time to uh, answer your questions. So if you're new to the show, welcome. Glad you are you've been around. Hopefully you've maybe already had a few episodes under your belt, or maybe this is your first episode, and welcome. This is uh, a little different, uh, a little uh, different episode than usual. Usually we're, we're talking to uh, various runners of, of all s- stripes and shapes and sizes and colors and levels of experience. Um, but uh, today and, and every month at the end of each month, uh, take take the time to answer questions from runners just like yourself. And uh, the, the best way to get your questions answered is to, to hop over and join our Facebook group, uh, disruns.com slash Facebook. Or if you're on the Facebook, scroll around, just do in the search bar uh, for the Disruns tribe and uh, come on in and join us. It's it's open to anyone where we operate under the uh, the uh, um, thought that everyone's innocent until they prove, prove themselves creepy. Um, so if you come in and start spamming the group with all kinds of crap that, that isn't relevant, we're a running group and, and you're welcome to post and share and, and do things running related, but you start, you know, being, being douchey and I'm going to give you the boot, but otherwise, you know, come in first, uh, prove yourself to be a douche and see you later. Come in first and, and, uh, you know, be a normal, normal functioning person and as part of the group and, uh, we'll, we'll love to have you around. Um, but anyway, each month I put a post out somewhere towards the middle of the month, usually, uh, this month. Uh, kind of got to it a little bit late, which uh, I'm going to use that as my excuse for why I'm recording this a little bit later and, and kind of rushing rushing through things a bit uh, today to try to get this out uh, on time. But uh, that's that's my problem, not yours. Uh, but but like I said, I put a post up saying, hey, what are your questions? And then you leave your questions in the comments and I go ahead and, and answer them. And hopefully we, we have a little fun, maybe learn a little something along the way. Uh, and before I get to this month's questions, one other piece of business that uh, I'm, I'm excited to be able to take care of today, and that is to uh, to thank Mr. John Norris for becoming the, the latest patron of the show. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, patreon.com is a, is a website that allows you to kind of support people that are doing things that you enjoy. So it could be bloggers, it could be podcasters like myself, people on YouTube, it could be anybody that's doing anything that's kind of artsy, artsy, fartsy related, that's that's kind of a free offering and you want to support it, kind of like the, the NPR style of doing things, uh, you're welcome to do that. And uh, there's a link in the show notes as there always is in the album information on or in the, the episode information that's available on your phone. And you can also always go to disruns.com slash, or I'm sorry, go to patreon.com slash disruns. So it's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash disruns. And you can pledge as much or as little as you want. Um, my, my ask, and, and people are always welcome to go more, obviously, but uh, my, my ask is if, if, you, if you like the show enough, you've been listening for a while that you feel like you've gotten something useful out of it, and you're willing to buy me a cup of coffee each month, that's, uh, that's huge. 
And uh, Mr. Mr. John Norris is the most recent person to go ahead and get me a cup of coffee every month. So thank you, John. Much appreciated. Um, and, uh, and, and again, if you want to help support the show that way, patreon.com slash Diz Runs. So now into the, uh, the, the, the reason we're here today to answer some questions, got a, got a, a pretty decent little list today. So we'll, we'll try to go through it. Um, maybe with a little less babble on my part, but hopefully still get to, to, uh, answering each question thoroughly and fully. So here we go. Uh, first question comes from Ben, who's uh, one of my clients, one of my longest tenured clients, which uh, is is cool. And us, actually, also one of the, the folks that I've known, uh, probably the folks, the, the the person that I've known the longest, as far as those that uh, are, are are active in the group and whatnot, because we went to college together. Uh, but anyway, Ben asks, "What's the worst way that you've ever missed a race?" So a little backstory there, Mister Rawson overslept the uh, the second half of the, uh, the the dark side challenge at Disney World uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, made it for the 10K, overslept for the, the half marathon, so missed that, which was obviously was a big bummer. Um, not something that you'd like to do. And, and I can honestly say, Ben, that I've never over, I've never missed a race that I've, I've signed up for. Um, where, where I've missed races is by thinking that the race was, you know, not signing up for it until the last minute and thinking that the race was one weekend and finding out that it was, you know, a week or two ago. So I go to sign up for it and go, oh, well, <laughs> guess I'm not running, you know, XYZ race this year. Usually that's, that's more local things, obviously. Uh, but guess I'm not running this race this year because uh, it was last weekend or, or it's this weekend, but I'm not really prepared for it because there's something going on this weekend, but I thought it was going to be next weekend, something like that. So that's, that's the, really the only way I've ever missed a race. Um, one time though, I did come pretty darn close to missing a race due to traffic issues. Uh, it was a Disney race and I was planning on driving up. Uh, it was back when, when, back in the good old days when, uh, the wine and dine half marathon happened in the evening. Uh, I was at the house hanging out, watching some football probably cause it's in the fall and Saturday. So there's probably college football on, um, and was planning to head up to to uh, Disney, you know, as usual, as as late as possible to avoid having to sit around any longer than I'd have to. Um, so I got in the car, headed out, and got a, a call from my wife about five minutes after I left uh, that said, "Hey, just talked to to so and so, one of her friends, um, who's like in a huge traffic jam on I four at at you know whatever exit mark." Um, said traffic is completely stopped, the road is completely closed, so you might want to try to avoid that route and like. I wasn't planning on needing to take a detour. Uh, you know, my, my time that I was allotting was, you know, between 45 minutes and an hour. And, you know, that was how long it was going to take to go along I-4. Uh, but thankfully she called or else I definitely would have missed that race because I would have gotten stuck in the traffic. Able to get off before, well before that exit, take a couple of back roads, avoid it, uh, get back on I-4 after wherever the accident was and made it to Disney just on time. Um, but yeah, I've never missed a race. So hopefully, uh, you know, I, I know that there was some external issues with uh, babies not sleeping very well, which is part of the reason why Ben was so tired. Um, but uh, hopefully that's one of those things that not a lot of us can relate to. Not a lot of us have a story to uh, share on missing a race, but it's it's something that I think we've all thought about, worried about, been, uh, um, you know, nervous about, uh, and, and it's something that, that happens. So, you know, it, it sucks. It is what it is. You got to keep moving on. Uh, so hopefully... Uh, anybody who's listening can, can, uh, can at least empathize on what would happen if that was, if they were in that situation and, and, you know, lesson learned next time you make sure that you're setting two or three or four or 10 alarms, um, and doing whatever you got to do to make sure that, uh, you get your butt out of bed for those early morning starts. If, uh, if that's something that's on your race schedule going forward, uh, next question comes from Kevin. He says, I'm running my first time-based 
race next month. It's an eight hour race, approximately 3.5 mile uh, loop on the trail. Um, how do I approach this type of race and what kind of plan and or strategy should I have? So I think, uh, you know, Kevin, a, a couple of things, um, you know, for, for any type of race like that, um, that's, that's, you know, very likely going to, going to get into the ultra distance territory. Um, you know, I, I think that, that there's a few things, a few suggestions I have for you. One, don't be afraid to walk a little bit, um, and, and, and to walk early. You know, I, I think that a lot of times it's like, oh yeah, I'll walk when I need to. But if you, if you take some strategic walk breaks early, especially in a race, that's probably going to be or at least possibly going to be the longest race you've ever run. Um, start walking well before you need it. Maybe, maybe take a walk, you know, walk for, for a minute or two minutes or five minutes, something like that at the beginning of each lap. So you do your three and a half miles, you get back to the start line, you know, maybe grab a bite to eat, grab some, some fluids, things like that, and then walk for the next five minutes or two minutes or whatever, even though you don't need to, even though you're not tired, even though you're, you're certainly fit enough to run at that point, keep the big picture in mind. You know, you're going to be out here for another seven hours, another seven and a half hours, whatever the case might be. Um, so start walking early enough to, to try to conserve a little energy, save a little bit of that wear and tear so you can you can keep going a bit longer. Uh, next tip is to not rush through the aid stations. This is an, an ultra tip in general. Anytime you're doing ultra distance races, the aid stations are usually pretty awesome. Um, and unless you're you're up there going to try to win the race, there's no reason to, to you know race through the aid station. There's no reason to um, just try to grab something and go. But like take a minute, like, you know, refill your bottles, refill your 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 pack, you know, make sure you get, grab a, a bite to eat, talk to some other runners, whatever. Like, you know, I, I mean, not that I'm a, the most experienced ultra runner in the world, but, uh, in the one ultra that I did run, I mean, there were people that were like, they would come into the, the aid station well before me. Um, I would leave well before them. And then they would pass me before we got to the next aid station. I'd see them back there. We like played this game of leapfrog, but they were taking five, eight, 10, 15 minutes in each aid station to, to talk, to shoot the breeze, to hang out a little bit, to eat some stuff, to go to the bathroom, whatever they needed to do. And I was in there kind of trying to do that, but I was in, in there with roadrunner mentality of like, I'm going to come in, I'm going to take a, a quick sip of, of ginger ale or whatever. And I'm gonna right back out there. Eh, take your time. And, you know, don't rush through it. Make sure you get something to eat. Uh, that goes into tip number three, eat something each lap. Even if you're not real hungry, even if it's not something substantial, grab a little something, some fruit, some, some potato chips, uh, something, a, a handful of M&Ms, like whatever it is, just make sure you're getting yourself a little bit of calories each way. You know, when you're doing an eight hour run, that's hard to fuel on just goos and, and simple crap sugars. Uh, eventually your stomach's going to not want that kind of stuff. So make sure you're getting some, some, a decent source of calories, not a, not a huge amount necessarily, but a decent source of calories each time. So again, you're stopping at the aid station, take a minute there, refill your bottles, get, grab a little bite to eat and make sure again, that you're eating something each time around the lap. Um, that said, number four, there's no need to really carry anything but water as far as extra stuff. So, you know, one of the benefits of a loop course is that if you need something, you're never more than in this case, three and a half miles away. So, you know, if, if the sun isn't out yet, you know, if the race starts early in the morning before the sun comes out, you don't need to take your sunglasses with you. You don't need to take suntan lotion or whatever. If it's cold, you know, you, you, you're, you're layered up, but once it starts to warm up, you don't have to, to carry anything because all other than to get back to the, 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 uh, you know, beginning point where you can drop stuff off, where you can put stuff in the car, give stuff to, to people that are, are watching you, any of your supporters or friends or family that are there. So, you know, you don't have to take much with you other than your water, you know, maybe your, your phone, your garment, something like that, but you're not, you're not having to carry a whole bunch of stuff. Like if you were for, um, other ultras or other events that, that don't have that loop benefit. And this is kind of, 
you know, obviously it doesn't matter if it's time-based or not. Um, having that, that loop can be a benefit in that you don't have to carry stuff. You don't have to, you can drop stuff off. You can pick stuff up when needed, um, and not take it with you and not have to hassle with taking it with you over 20, 30, 40, 50 miles, whatever distance it is that you're going. Um, and last but not least, this one might be a harder pill to swallow, but you don't have to go the full eight hours. You, you know that, right? Like, yes, it's an eight hour event, but if you get to a certain point or your body starts to shut down or whatever, that's the beauty of a timed event is that there's no quote unquote finish line. It's not, a, it's not a 50 K you don't have to get to a finish line to complete the challenge. If you, if you want to stop at seven hours, you can stop at seven hours and you still have run, run the race. Cause again, the race is to go, how far can you go in eight hours? If in seven hours, your body's shot and you're done, then you're done. That's how far you could go in eight hours. Cause you didn't want to go any farther. You, you couldn't go any farther. So, you know, don't feel like you have to go right until the horn blows at eight hours. If you want to great, if you're feeling good, go for it. But just, you know, a little tip, you don't have to make it all the way to the last second in those, in those races. So hope you have a great, a great race though. Um, and, uh, and can't wait to, to hear how it goes, Kevin. Um, Next question comes from Gary. I'm looking for a hydration belt that can hold one 16 to 18 ounce bottle, uh, a normal size phone and a few gels. It seems that the phone is always just a bit too big. Um, even though it's not a plus phones. Yeah, I, I get you there, Gary. Um, you know, as, as if you, even if you're not updating to the, the plus phones, if you're updating to the newer models of the phones, yeah, they, they keep getting bigger. Um, it's, it's a struggle I've had. Um, and when it comes to kind of trying to, to, to merge both worlds, I think that that's part of your problem is that you're trying to find a hydration belt that also has a big pocket. And th- those, that combination, I've not seen very many that, that work there. You know, I have, I have a pretty good belt that I can use that has a, a, a pocket that's plenty big to hold my phone and, you know, could easily hold a few gels, keys, wh- whatever, uh, you know, it, and it's not like bulky. It's not, it's not a big problem. Um, it's not something that, that gets annoying or awkward or flops around or anything like that. Um, it's a running belt. Uh, from uh, Foot Forward Sports, I believe uh, the, uh, I can I can put a link in the show notes if you're interested in checking out that belt. Um, but when it comes to, to carrying then a big and then a 16 ounce water bottle, that's a big water bottle. Most of the water bottles that come with hydration belts are like six ounces or eight ounces or something like that. So you're really looking for the Cadillac option there, um, and I'm not sure that you're going to find it. So so what my advice would be is to maybe look beyond a belt and look for a pack. Um, you know, I, I have, have a, um, an orange mud pack that has two water bottles on it that are each, I think 20, 20 or 24 ounce water bottles. Um, I love it. It's comfortable. It's not, it doesn't trap heat. It's, it's definitely got pockets that are big enough to put a phone, to put gels, to put a whole bunch of other stuff. If necessary, there's, there's pockets on each, each shoulder strap, plus a Velcro packet that you can slide your gels or your fuels. You could slide tailwind packets, things like that in there. Um, and it's really easy. And mine has two bottles, but they also have a one bottle version. So, um, if you're looking to try to kind of do all of those things in one, um, it, it's probably going to cost a little bit more than you might be looking to spend, but it's high quality. It's going to last, um, comfortable, functional, and as your phone continues to get bigger, you're not going to have a problem keeping your phone in there with you as well. So that might be something to look into. Orange Mud, they have, like I said, they have a single single bottle uh, pack available. Um, it's it's just over a hundred bucks, I think, maybe a hundred and fifteen. Um, pricey, yes, worth it. Yeah, yeah, I think. I mean, it it, it easily checks all the boxes that you that you're looking in there that, that you mentioned in your question. Um, and and like I said, the quality is great. Great company going to last, um, you know, it'll be the, it'll be the last 
belt slash hydration system you ever need. And unless you wanted to get, you know, maybe go a little bit bigger and get the, the double barrel, the, the two bottle pack. Um, cause of course you can only, you can, you can always just put one bottle in if you only want to take the one. Um, you know, and that might be, that's something that I, I went with the bigger one with two bottles just because that way, you know, running trails, things like that. I, I can make sure that I can always take at least 40 ounces of water with me, um, which is going to get me most, you know, for the most part, solve most of my problems. So anyway, hope that, uh, th- that helps Gary. And if you find a better option, let me know. Uh, next couple of questions comes from Trevor. He says, how about a, a video of a good warm up routine and good cool down routine? Also, can you dumb down the breathing thing? Three in and three out on a slower runs and two in and two out on a faster runs. Um, I'm thinking that that Second half of the question is that's is that your assumption that that is the best the best way of doing things, uh, but as far as the the videos of warm ups and cool downs, um, I'm not going to do a new video for the warm ups because we've talked to people that have great warm up videos on the podcast in the past. Uh, check out the Jay Johnson episode with the with the lunge matrix. There's a link in the show notes there. Um, I don't have the number offhand, but I'll make sure that, that the link is also in the show notes for this episode. Uh, Dizruns.com/slash-five-six-three-Trevor, um, and also when when I talk to to uh, Carly Dobb and Chris. Thomas, the, the girls, the, the, the girls, the women, the ladies from, uh, Wahoo running, they have a, a band routine that they do glute, a glute activation, uh, band routine that, um, that is, is pretty good. It's going to, it's going to let your, let your, your glutes on fire. That's for sure. Which is, which is good. You know, sometimes you hear that kind of thing. You're like, Oh, well, why would I want to do that before my run? But it means your glutes are engaged. They're ready to go. They're ready to fire, which is really important for us as runners. So making sure that those muscles are fired up, ready to go is actually going to help you have a good run. So those two videos, I'll have them linked up in the show notes. Um, you know, they're good. And why would I, why would I want to do something? Why would I make another video of basically just doing the same thing? I have a slight variation I do on the lunge matrix. That's my, my go-to. I mix in the, the band routine every once in a while, but both of them are great, uh, options for you. As for cool down, I mean, I don't have a good cool down routine. You know, the, the best is to stretch, do some quad stretching, some, some hip flexor stretching, maybe stretch your hamstrings, your calves, things like that. Maybe do a little foam rolling if you really want to go crazy. Um, but I don't have a good routine at this point as far as cool downs go. So, um, sorry, but I, I can't, I can't help you much there. And I think that's one of those things that's, that's kind of individual to each person, kind of what you need to do. Um, but I know I need to do it. I just don't do it. So maybe, maybe I need to work on something like that. But I mean, again, it's, it's not something that's, that's terribly difficult. Stretch, stretch, foam roll. Um, you know, that type of thing is, is perfect for the cool down. As to your, your question about breathing, um, I work with the assumption or with the, the, uh, not the assumption. That's definitely not the right way of saying it. I work with the strategy that I keep my, my breathing in odd numbers. So instead of going three and three, like you said, for your slower runs and two and two on your faster runs, where it's, that's, you know, six and or four, um, I go five for my slower runs and three for my faster runs. Meaning I breathe in for, let me see here. And I got to think about this in my head. I breathe in for three counts and breathe out for two counts, uh, on my, on my slower, easy runs or two strides or whatever you want to call it and breathe in for two and out for one on my faster runs. And the reason for that, and there's a, there's a big article in runner's world a few years back that I linked to in the show notes as well. Um, that talks about how if you're always, if you're doing a three and three, then you're always breathing in starting on your, on the same foot every time, which ends up creating an instability and could lead to injuries. So by, by going back and forth between which foot you're breathing in and breathing out on, um, it actually kind of evens out the, the, um, amount of instability that your body goes through that, that your limbs go through 
in, in the, you know, in the process of running. So at first I was a, I was a, you know, pretty, pretty much like you are, I think Trevor, where I was breathing in the same amount that I was breathing out every run. Um, but once I read that, it took a little while to get used to it, but now, I mean, now I don't even think about it and I'm definitely on the three in three out or three in two out and two in one out, um, for my, for my training. So check that information out. Um, uh, but that's, that's the better, I think way of doing it is that it, because it, it mixes up which leg is hitting the ground every time you're breathing in, which is the most instable part of your, of your training and can lead to some, some injuries. If you're always hitting the same side and maybe not lead to them, but it can increase the likelihood of some issues, some stability issues, namely it band type of issues. Um, if you're, if you're always doing three and three or two and two, so hope all that makes sense. And, uh, I dumbed it down enough, um, and if not, like I said, check out the, the article that I linked to in the show notes, which really does a great job of explaining it. Next question comes from the Tundra. Uh, Jen asks, can you talk a little bit about the most important thing or things to keep in mind when running two marathons close together? Um, she says, as you know, because I'm, I'm working with her, uh, she's planning to run the Fargo marathon in May as a training run and then race Manitoba marathon four weeks later. Beyond not being a dummy in the first one, what other advice do you have to make the whole thing go well? Um, honestly, I think that's that's the biggest bit of advice. And and you know, without without giving too many details about you to hear, Jen, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna share just a little bit in that you know because we've been working together for a while, because I, I know your your history, your training, your strengths, your weaknesses, things like that. Um, I think that that you know I, I think that doing this type of thing, doing two marathons a month a month apart works for, for those that have been running for a while that have a good, strong base. Um, because I'm not worried about you assuming that you don't actually race, uh, twin cities, assuming that, that you keep that race as a nice, easy pace, uh, training run. I'm not worried about it taking two weeks for you to recover before we can train again, which would actually put us into the taper period going into the next race. So, you know, when it, when it comes to something like that, you really have to look at your fitness, how, how, how strong your base of fitness is, how, how comfortable are you going to be with running 26 miles as a training run, as opposed to as a race, you know I mean? And, and we've done 22 milers, 23 milers, things like that in training. So it's not a huge jump. It's not like you're, you're maxed out at 18 miles in your training run. And I'm asking you to do 26 miles for, for a race. That's not even your, your race. And then, you know, still train the following week. Like that would be a bit too much. So you know, for, for putting these types of things together, I think the big thing is to make sure that your fitness is to a level where it can support it. Um, and then for you specifically, Jen, you know, the, the biggest thing that you could do to screw this up would be to be a dummy would be to be exactly what you, you said in the post, you know, and, and end up racing it, end up pushing too hard. So, you know, setting yourself up for success in something like that is to make sure that you, you have your limits, make sure that you have a plan in place to not go too fast. So maybe it's stopping for pictures. Maybe it's walking through every water stop. Maybe it's having alerts set on your, on your watch so that you don't go too fast or have heart rate alert set. So you don't run too hard. Um, you know, any of those things to make sure you keep the pace nice and slow, nice and easy. Um, you know, have, have dinner reservations or lunch reservations that are way out in, in advance so that they, Hey, what, what's the purpose of racing through this race? Like, I don't have anywhere to go. I'm just gonna have to sit around and wait until, you know, lunch instead of, or I could take my time, cruise through it nice and slow, enjoy myself, um, talk to volunteers, give kids high fives, whatever, stop for photos. If there's anything worth taking a picture of in Fargo, um, and then, you know, get through, cross the finish line and, you know, four hours and 20 minutes or something like that. Uh, nice and slow, steady, no big deal. And then a month later, you know, after, you know, a, a, a slight down week in, in training on the recovery week, a hard week of training, then get into the taper for, for Manitoba. Then hopefully we go hard and, and, and you have that, that boost of, I just ran 26 miles a month ago. 
I know I can do it. I know I can finish strong. And then you go out there and you drop some 350, you know, type of, of or three three forty. So let's not kid ourselves. Um, but then you go out there and hammer it on the second race. Um, is is kind of what what the what the pipe dream is or what the goal is, obviously. Um, but as far as tips, things to, to keep important, most important, the the biggest thing is to just not race the first one. You know, if, if your strategy is to to not race the first one, then don't freaking race the first one. Period. Hope that hope that helps. And then and that you know, again, for even if you're not doing two, two marathons, but maybe you got two half marathons, something like that, where, where you're not sure, should I race this one? And then, you know, have the, the backup race type of thing out there. Like that could work, but that could also, you know, really kind of screw up your training in between and lead to, to being ill-prepared for the second one. If you run the first one too hard. So just have a plan. However you run it, want to attack it. You can always run the first one hard. And then if, if things go well, you can run the second one for fun, but have a plan and stick to it. So in, in, Jen's case here, the plan is to run it easy. So stick to the plan, run it easy and, and everything else will kind of take care of itself. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, but thanks for the question as always, Jen, uh, next question, next, next two questions coming from Monica. First one, um, any tips, thoughts on becoming an early riser to exercise slash run in the morning? She says the struggle is real. Um, yes, a whole host of things. Um, first I'm going to plug a little something that, uh, I I've, I've gotten for myself um, and I'm now an affiliate for as well because I'm a, I'm a big fan. And that is the, the Pavlock, which is basically, if you, if you haven't heard of it before, um, it's basically like, <laughs> this is going to sound worse than it is, but it's basically like an electroshock therapy type of thing to wake your ass up in the morning. Um, so I, I have a little wearable, a little device that I put on my, my wrist every night. Uh, it's, it's linked to my phone. Uh, and, and it's, it's a little battery thing that, that electrocutes me in the morning. Uh, you know, it's set for my alarm clock. You can set it to vibrate. You can set it to beep. You can set it to do a shock. I take the shock and, uh, I'll be damned, but it gets you up in the morning. It gets you going. You know, uh, sometimes if you're really tired or in really deep sleep, you might snooze it a bit more. You know, I, I actually just this morning, um, I snoozed it way more than usual. It was like part of my dream, you know, and I kept snoozing it and then it would, it would pop back up in my neck and part of my dream again. Um, and it happened, it, I had to get hit about six times before I actually like woke up and took, and I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I need to wake up. But, uh, you know, something like that, it, it works. It sounds extreme. It sounds, it sounds crazy. But if, if the struggle is getting up in the morning and you're, you're just too good at too used to slapping the snooze button, turning the alarm off, things like that, and laying in bed, uh, you know, take it to the next level, get yourself a Pavlock. Um, and you can check it out. Disruns.com slash Pavlock P A V L O K. Uh, like I said, it's a, it's an affiliate link, so it doesn't cost you anymore, but it throws a couple of, uh, actually a, a decent couple of she- a shekels into the account. If you get one, uh, it's a little bit pricey. I think that the shot clock shock clock, which is the, the lower model. And basically all it does is, is, is alarm clock features. Uh, but that's all you really, it's all I needed. And probably all you need is like $115 or something like that. But if it's the difference between getting up and getting out there and getting your runs in might be worth it. Um, but check, check that out and see if that something might help you additionally. And something, if maybe you don't want to be as drastic, you know, there's things you can do the night before to make your morning runs a bit easier get to bed on time, stop staying up to watch the daily show, stop staying up to, to watch, you know, Fallon and, and Seth Meyers and that type of stuff. Go to bed, get your sleep, turn your electronics off. And we've talked about sleep stuff many times in the past, but turn your electronics off early because the, the lights coming out of your, your phone, your tablet, things like that messes with your, your melatonin level, your melatonin release. So your body's thinking that it's not time to go to sleep yet. Turn that junk off, read a book, 
just, you know, kind of sit quietly, talk to your, your spouse, your partner, whatever. Um, but, but stop having that light in your face. If you're going to have the light in your face, get yourself some blue blockers. You've probably seen mine every Friday five. I'm wearing my orange tinted glasses. Those things help to keep the, the lights from the phone out of your eyes, which allows your body to produce the melatonin. So, so do that type of thing. Um, also, most devices, most modern phones these days have the setting where you can turn, uh, where it automatically starts to, to dim the lights and make it more of an orange pink hue on your screen. Again, that's the same thing. So a bunch of different ways to attack the melatonin piece. Um, also, you can cut out caffeine after the early afternoon because that's going to help you stay awake. Uh, same thing with alcohol. A lot of people think, oh, I'll have, I'll have a nightcap. It'll help me sleep. Nah, it might, it might help you pass out, but it, it doesn't improve your sleep quality. In fact, it, it you know, it, it takes from the quality of your sleep. So, you know, don't have, don't have a, you know, maybe, maybe a glass of wine at dinner or something like that, but don't have a bunch to drink in the evening as well, because that's going to impair your, your quality of sleep. So, you know, the things you can do to get a better, better sleep is going to make it easier for you to get up in the morning. Um, you know, set, set the clothes out, set everything out. So it's ready to go. So you don't have to go, you know, trying to sneak in through your, your dresser while, while your partner's still asleep in bed. Um, Maybe even wear your running clothes to bed, you know, get, get dressed in, in your shorts and your sports bra. So all you gotta do is put your top on, put your shoes on, ready to go. As soon as the, the alarm wakes up, don't, don't give yourself a chance to, to sit around. Um, don't check your phone. That's, that's something that gets me once in a while. Like, oh, let me, let me see what happened. Let me, let me check the news. Let me check this. I've got, I've got plenty of time. You know, I've got, I've got an hour and 10 minutes before I have to get Addison up and all I'm doing is running for 45 minutes. So let me, let me just check something real quick and pretty soon, you know, next thing that, that, you know, I've only got 20 minutes left for my run because I've been you know, reading the, reading the sports page and reading the, 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 the news and checking out Facebook and all this kind of stuff. So don't, don't check anything, wake up out the door and check your stuff later. So, excuse me, hopefully that that gives you a couple of thoughts there, Monica. Um, ultimately you kind of got to find what what works best for you. Um, you know, and, and, and like I said, the, the game changer for me has been getting the Pavlock. It's, it's something that, uh, it, it just, it just getting me out of bed and get my run in early makes the rest of my day go so well. So that $125 or whatever it was that I spent, um, I would, I would just knowing what I know now, I would have spent double that, um, and not bad at an eye and it would have been well worth it. So if, if that's, if that's the thing is getting, getting awake and getting out of bed, check that out. That might be worth it. Again, disruns.com slash P A V L O K. If you are interested, and if you have any questions on it, obviously let me know. Like I'm, I'm a fan of it, but, uh, I don't think that it's necessarily necessary for everyone. But if you have questions, Monica, or anyone else that might be interested in something like that, let me know. And I'll, I'll give you the pros and cons. I have two versions now. I have the, the, the shock clock one, which is just the alarm clock. I have the fancier one too, which I, I'm not as happy with. It doesn't work as well for me. Got it for a couple of reasons. Got it on a pretty steep discount. So I was, I'm not upset that I have it, but I like my shock clock better. So that's the cheaper, cheaper of the, of the options. So let me know any questions on Pavlock. Uh, next question also from Monica, um, what are some of your favorite snacks and, and foods for runners? And so I wasn't sure exactly how this, how to take this question. Are we talking about kind of stuff to have around the house? So kind of healthy food snacks to have at the house, or are we talking about things to have, um, while actually out for a run? So I went with both because you know, why not? Um, so for, and, and also just want to, to point out here that, that I do follow kind of the, the high fat, low carb, uh, diet lifestyle, the primal endurance type of thing that I've talked about before, um, which is why I've gotten into all the heart rate training. So, you know, you may find that these things aren't, uh, aren't very sugary, at least, especially the, the home ones, um, are, are kind of heavily, heavily proteined, heavily fatted, 
not so much uh, sweet things. But I think that's probably good for the most part. You know, save for you probably could sub in fresh fruit, something like that, which which I wouldn't be be anti at, at all. But uh, the snacks that I currently kind of keep on hand at the house: um, hard boiled eggs, easy to peel, easy to you know, easy protein. Just boom down the hatch. Uh, peanut butter, good peanut butter, not the not the Jif, not the crap that has all the sugar and mess in it. Something where it's where it's natural, where the where the oil separates from the peanut butter. You got to stir it up, throw it in the fridge, and it stays congealed. But um, you know, you're looking at ingredients: peanuts, salt. That's it. Have that a spoonful here and there, or maybe you know, dip some apple slices or carrot sticks or celery sticks, something like that in it. Uh, but peanut butter is, is a great snack that I always, always have on hand, um, and, and, and eat it by the jar basically. Uh, number three on my list, dark chocolate. Got to, you know, the higher the, the concentration, the better. I'm currently at uh, 92% dark, dark chocolate. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Lots of antioxidants, just enough sweet to give you the little crate or the satisfy that little sweet craving without, you know, blowing out your, your carb diet for or carb balance for the day. Uh, number three or number four, fresh veggies. So chopped, ready to go. So maybe getting baby carrots, maybe getting a, um, you know, a, a thing of, of, of celery and then chopping it up. So it's ready to go. Um, but just having veggies available that you can snack on. Um, it's an area that I know I need to improve upon. As I talked about with Corinne, uh, Corinne, not too long ago. Um, it's, this is an area that, uh, I know I need to get better in and just having fresh veggies around the house does make it a little bit easier to snack on them as opposed to, you know, having to prepare them, having to peel them, having to, to slice, cut, chop, peel, whatever you got to do, have them ready, prepared, ready to go. And that can be a good snack. And also cheese. I'm a sucker for, for a cheese, um, fancy cheese, not fancy cheese, sliced, chunked, sh- shredded, um, grated. Doesn't matter if it's cheese. I'm in, I'm all in, you know, I've been known to take the Parmesan shaker and a spoon and just start going to work, you know, just shuffling out Parmesan or Parmesan or, you know, and just eating it. It's a little bit, it's a little bit powerful. It's a little bit potent, but it's still good. So give me cheese and I'm good to go. So those are my five for at the house. When I'm on a run, nut butter is also good. You can get like a single serve packets of, of almond butter, peanut butter, things like that. So you can, you can just kind of almost like a ketchup packet. You just open it up, squeeze it down, bada boom, bada bam. Um, that's, that's a good, a good source of protein, fat, things like that. Um, picky bars, a little bit more carb heavy here, uh, but basically dates and and nuts and seeds and things like that all mashed together in a bar. I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, Addison is also a big fan. So it passes the the three-year-old test and it it passed the two-year-old test. Can't remember. She probably had some when she was one as well. So it's been passing tests for her since uh, she started eating real food. So, you know, it's, it's healthy ish. It's, It's a bit carb heavy for, for where I am on the diet front now, but during a run, especially during a race. I'd make an exception. Likewise, during a race, uh, a packet of honey, you know, it's just, just good natural sugars. Um, not nothing too processed, nothing too refined, but just some as, as close to natural honey as possible. Um, citrus fruits on a run, always a fan. I've talked about that many times that the boost that I feel when I get, you know, an, an orange or a tangerine or something like that. And just, just, you know, the, the vitamin C, the, the water, the, the acid, the, the sugars, um, boof. Love it. So, so give me an orange on a race day as a snack, as a pick me up. And last but not least, potato chips. Certainly not the healthiest thing on this list, but uh, you know, a, a little bit of salt, a little bit of of simple carbs. Um, you know, never pass up a, an opportunity for a, a bag of or a handful of potato chips during an ultra. That's a, that's a rule that I live by and will take to the grave. So, uh, potato chips during a run are good as well. So, hopefully that whichever angle your question was coming from, Monica, hopefully that uh, helps to address it and uh, give you some thoughts, some ideas of things like that. That uh, you know, again, you gotta you gotta fit it, fit it to your personal 
palette, what you like, what you don't like, but, but having options is always, I think always helpful. So hopefully that, uh, is useful for you. Uh, next question after a sip of coffee comes from my man, Mr. Eric Dieter. And he asks, uh, have you heard, is there any way or any type of allowances in the heart rate charts for people with just naturally faster heartbeats. He says, even when I was young, I was off the charts. The scale was max 220 minus your age. When I ran hard uphill, I could get up to 230 beats per minute. Now at a moderate pace puts me at 160 beats per minute and a slow pace on level ground. I say just under 150. According to the formula you use, the, which is um, 180 minus your age uh, for, for the kind of the maximum level of your aerobic uh, fitness or aerobic heart rate that you want to stay at to stay in the aerobic zone. He says, so according to that formula, my target heart rate should be uh, 120. It's there. And, and obviously, like you said, if he's, if he's just cruising around nice and slow, he's already at 150. So well over that range he says, uh, is there a percentage of max heart rate that would give me a scale of where my, or give me a sense of where my aerobic zone is? Um, Eric, I, you know, I'm, I looked around a bit and I, I don't have much to offer you. Uh, and I apologize for that. It, it's a great question. And obviously something that, that you're, you know, like, there's no reason to think that you couldn't still be in the aerobic zone at a bit faster level. Um, you know, maybe that is 150 or 160. I don't, I don't know exactly where that would be. So I think that that maybe for you, following that formula or following a strict heart rate formula, probably not the best because all of those formulas are going to be, you know, the, the and they are. Let's not kid ourselves. They are a one size fits all type of formula with subtle subtle variances. But if your if your heart rate is just naturally faster outside of of the, the bell curve, you're an outlier there. Um, it's not going to work for you. So, you know, to keep your easy runs easy, maybe gauge more on effort. How hard am I working? Can I still talk? Can I still carry on a conversation? Can I speak in a full sentence without gasping for breath? If so, you're in the easy zone. You're good to go. Um, but it would be very difficult, I think, to give you any type of accurate information on how to formulate your um, heart rates. Now there may be some formulas out there that go with like a resting heart rate. So if you can take your resting heart rate and plug that into a formula, it may give you some idea. But even then, I think that just going with, with rate of perceived exertion is probably your best and simplest bet. So sorry, I don't have a better answer for you, Eric, but, uh, you know, again, not heart rate training, I think is great, but it maybe not work for everybody. I think you're a pretty good case, good example of, of why it wouldn't work for somebody like yourself with a, just a, a naturally high, or even somebody who has a naturally low heart rate. It's going to be difficult. Um, Although low, you could probably play with a bit more, but who knows? Who knows? If you're outside, if you're an outlier, it's tough. It's tough when it comes to heart rate training. Um, three questions left. One from Joanne says, what's your opinion on caffeine tablets for long runs? Me, me, you know, uh, I'm not anti-caffeine. There's no, there's no question. The research is clear. Caffeine is a performance enhancer. It's going to help you, you know, avoid fatigue. It's going to help you run a little bit faster. Um, it does lots of good things for you, but to just take them, Take, take caffeine for a long run. Eh, I'm, I'm not sold. Uh, and here's why, obviously for me, like I've said many times, I follow the heart rate training strategy. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to keep my heart rate below a certain level. So if I'm adding caffeine to the mix, that's going to bring my heart rate up. It's going to make it harder for me to stay at that, at that level. So I'm not even going to get the benefits of the caffeine because I'm not going to be running faster. Um, I'm actually going to be running slower to try to keep my heart rate below the certain level. So I don't take any caffeine, no coffee, no nothing before my any runs anymore, especially a long run. Um, that said on race day, eh, maybe not a bad option. Maybe not a bad, uh, you know, bad thing to save for that. And that's kind of where I'll go with my answer is that I would say, don't use it as much for your, your training runs, you know, maybe once or twice to make sure it's something you can handle, make sure that, that the, the dosage of caffeine isn't going to be too much, too little for you, that you're going to be able to see a little bit of impact. 
but then stay away from it and bring it out on, on the big days, bring it out on the day for the race when you want that extra boost. Because also with caffeine, let's not forget the more you, the more exposure you have to it, the more often you, you consume it, the less the impact. So, you know, if, if you can, if you can bring it out once in a while, you're going to get the maximum benefit from it. Um, and it's going to help you, but it's not something that you then have to quote unquote rely upon because you've done your training without it. So, you know, you can run without it, but then, you know, when, when the rubber hits the road, you can, you can take it, get an extra boost and hopefully, you know, get those, get those PRs and, and finish strong and all that kind of good stuff. So that's my thought. Save it for race day, not just for your long runs. Um, boy, I feel like my voice is going. So we're going to power through these last couple and, uh, then maybe I'll not talk for the, (laughs) right. Maybe I'll not talk for the rest of the day. Right. We'll see how that goes. But anyway, uh, Millie, what is kombucha and why do you drink it? So if you haven't been in the Facebook group recently, we've been talking a lot about kombucha lately. Uh, I'm glad to know I'm not the only person that, that brews and drinks and all that stuff. But uh, kombucha is a fermented tea, basically. That's that's the most simple simple way of saying it. You take sweet tea, you put it in a jar with, with some yeast. The yeast eats the, the sugar and you come out with with a, a, a somewhat tart, although you can control the level by adding you know how long you, you let it ferment, but a somewhat kind of tart drink um, that then you can do some other things to it to add some some carbonation, to add some flavors, yada, yada, yada. But basically it's, it's fermented tea. And why do I drink it? Because it's great for digestion. You know, the same reason that you have yogurt, you have sauerkraut, you have kimchi, you have any of those types of fermented foods that it helps to feed the good bacteria in your gut. The, the kombucha does the same thing. Um, and for me, it's, it's more palatable. It's, it's, it's something that I enjoy. I, I like it. Um, so that's, that's what it is. That's why I drink it. I, I brew my own, um, and, and love it and love it. So, um, that's, that's why, you know, we, we take it in and, and, you know, you talk about improved, improved, uh, digestion, you know, not only you're talking about kind of just helping the, the pipes to, to kind of clean themselves and things to flow through, but you're also, you know, the, the, the better, um, fueled the bacteria in your gut is, you know, the more, the more, um, vitamins and minerals that you're able to, to take out of the, the food, the calories that you intake. So you're getting more bang for each, each bite basically, or more, more nutritional value for each bite. Um, and, and it's just, I mean, it's just good to keep that, that, that system going well, you know, for obvious reasons. So, um, that's, uh, that's my take on kombucha. And if, if, you know, if, if you're looking for, um, you know, information and stuff, we've got a great, uh, if you just go into the Facebook group and type in kombucha, K O M B U C H A, uh, and search, search the group. There's a lot of, of posts in the last week or so about it. Uh, comments, recipes, advice, tips, things like that. So, so check it out if you're interested and it's really easy. Like it's really not difficult. If you've got space to set a jar on your counter and you know how to, to brew sweet tea, which spoiler alert, tea bags and sugar, you can handle that. Um, you can brew kombucha and, and make it yourself and it, for a fraction of the cost of like buying the, the bottles at the store, things like that. Uh, last question comes from Gene and hopefully my voice is going to hold out. Um, which is the best run to follow up with stride workout? Uh, I don't Gene, I, I don't completely understand your question, but I'm going to try to, to, to do the best I can. Um, so basically what, what I'm reading that as is, um, you know, what should I do the day before I do some strides or what should I do before I do strides at the end of a workout to make sure that I'm getting the most out of my strides. And, and in either case, I'm reading that as go easy. You know, I think most runners don't run enough, don't run easy enough, often enough. So when in doubt, go easy. You know, I wouldn't do strides after a hard speed work. I wouldn't do strides after a hard tempo run. Like you, you just did a hard workout. So why, why, why at that point? But if you're going to do some strides, um, you know, do those after an easy run or, you know, mix that in after, you know, as part of an easy run, something like that, but easy is good. 
Easy, easy is where we need to stay. Low intensity, um, you know, getting, getting the work in, but not beating your body up too much. And then you can mix in a few strides and without, without, it's not going to be a big problem. Just mix in a couple back to easy, good to go. So hopefully that answers your question, Gene. Um, but if not the next month, you can, you can find me in the same place, reword your question and we'll, we'll, we'll come at it again. So that is it for today. The voice is, is starting to fall. I don't know what's what's happening there, but uh, we made it through, which is all that matters. Uh, and we're going to turn around and get this thing posted up right away, which, again, not your problem, but something I'm going to take care of uh, in, in seconds after I hit, hit stop here. So um, thank you again for all the questions. And if you want your questions in and you want to just be part of uh, what uh, is is on the way to becoming the best running Facebook group that there is, um, that's that's the goal. It's audacious. It's audacious. I get it. But, uh, you know, whatever. That's what we're trying to build there. And I think we've got something going uh, lots of good interaction, lots of fun. Uh, Dizruns.com slash Facebook, or just search Facebook for the Dizruns tribe. Come on and, and join us and have a little fun, crack some jokes, post some memes, all the all the, all the things. Um, we'd love to see you there. Um, and again, watch out for the, the next post uh, sometime in the middle of May saying, hey, we're going to do a Q&A episode pretty soon. What are your questions? Pop, pop them in there, and I'll answer them for you. It's really that simple. So that uh, is it for today. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thanks again to John for becoming a, a new patron. Patreon.com slash Dizruns. Get you signed up. You can always cancel anytime. You're not you know, not bound forever once you sign up. But uh, if you want to support the show, you want to buy me a cup of coffee, it would mean a lot. So Patreon.com slash Dizruns. And uh, that's it for today. Thank you guys for all the questions. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing the show. Certainly appreciate it. All the new listeners that have been coming in. It's because of y'all. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, until then, be well. Talk soon. See you next time, guys. Take care.